Fantastic evening. My name is Adora Onyetra. Welcome to Talk to Adora. Another day, another hour, another exciting time to be with you on the show. And yes, there's been a lot going on in the country, a lot of news, a lot of conversation, um, very bad news. And well, some will say hopeful, some will say respite. Uh, some will say it could have been better, but it just depends on which way you're looking at it. For me, I feel like, you know, it should be about time already. So, yes, it's exactly some minutes, approximately three minutes past four o'clock today here in the FCT. If you're reaching us live from Facebook, I want to say thank you for joining us as always. Your comments, your reviews, your contributions have been phenomenal. We couldn't have been doing this without you. Yes, a lot of people have been sending in reviews regarding the issue of the VAP being passed across states it's been quite um, there's been quite a lot of advocacy regarding that and especially as we continue to see a lot of people naming and shaming, unveiling issues happening in well yes, several places for instance in the uh, entertainment industry we know that there is a current conversation uh, ongoing about one person who seemed to have been uh, people's favorite. I don't know if he's still people's favorite up till now, but um, yes, we're talking about no one else than the, the band and his issue about uh, the rape case. Uh, yes, it's still under investigation, but just the thought of it, you know, you know, takes the takes the skin off a lot of people, considering the fact that he is a United Nations ambassador and also seem to have been in the forefront of advocating for you know the stop and you know against rape and the enough is enough and saying no against rape so it's sort of you know ironical when the tables switch and then the clock starts ticking on the person who is supposed to be the advocate becomes the offender so it's quite it's quite crippling but again like we always say the full weight of the law must come on this and we must see the end of it and know exactly what is going on um and please, this is also a, a sort of experiential um, lesson for a lot of people who seem to think that um, they can intimidate or manipulate people or survivors when they decide to come out with their stories. I think that this is a deterrence. And please, um, this is to tell every survivor out there, you have our support and 
this is also part of your healing process. So trust me, um, you haven't done anything wrong. When you decide to come out to expose the deeds of the evil ones, we are solidly, solidly uh, behind you. Um, we know that Sayatam Babatoye alleged that in 2018 she was raped by the band, but it's still on, ongoing uh, in terms of the investigation. And so, yes, uh, we say we wait for the full weight of the Lord's investigation and know what happens there. But anyway... Last week, we also had interesting conversations. The senior, um, the Africa Young Female Special Advisors Initiative held a webinar um, with at least uh, most of the special advisors from across the 36 states discussing on the issue of the VAP Act and its implementation in their various states. And, you know, it is quite surprising that you will find out that in as much as we saw some governors come out to declare a state of emergency on rape, some of those governors still have not yet been able to pass the VAP Act in their state. So it is also quite ironical, like we say, you know, he who wears the shoe knows where it pinches most. But we are hoping that after this, you know, clarion call by women group NGOs, they would really come out uh, to do the right thing. The one that is most frightening is all the way uh, where we have seen several cases of rape and child abuse in emo states. And um, I understand that the VAP Act has passed second reading at the moment, but I am of the modicum of courage that perhaps when they resume, because the house is shut down for two weeks regarding the spread or the onslaught of the outbreak of COVID-19, that's still in speculation. But, you know, um, I'm just I'm just saying that, please, when they do come back, we hope, we do hope that they can, you know, just pass the VAP Act already. Um, there was a protest in Emo State by a women's group, and um, the call was for the VAP Act to be passed after second reading and also for perpetrators to be brought to book. So today, we'll be looking at a special conversation, two interviews. Uh, first, we'll be talking to Honorable Princess Miriam Onoha, who is representing Okigwe constituency, which involves Isialambano and other, you know, constituency within the Okigwe um you know, location. And it's interesting because she is a uh, one, uh, one house representative who has stood up on the floor to present a motion for speedy uh, trials of cases by saying and also advocating for the establishment of special courts to try offenders and also to look into the mental profiling of offenders when they are duly arrested. And um, to crown it all, she's asked for death penalty for anyone who, ha- who is found. Uh, guilty of such an offense so we'll be having her on the show later on and she'll be speaking to us live on the phone uh, to tell us the intrigues of this motion and also to even let us know whether this is absolutely going to take place in this lifetime or is it just a motion like we always say um going forward i also would be having uh, someone special right here on the show with me uh mrs jason wanko is a tech and innovation policy uh maker with more than 10 years of work experience in research uh project man planning policy making implementation she's a volunteer um, uh, a real-time, full-speed ahead volunteer um, under the platform called the Skilled Women uh, Initiative, and she'll be telling us a bit about her work, 
especially as we're looking at you know some of the um, community of the disadvantaged persons under the platform of the internally displaced persons community uh, she has done extensive work in empowering reaching out with her team through volunteering uh, to see that those young girls at least have some level of support towards uh, gaining a livelihood sustainable development only can begin when a woman is empowered and that is what they focus on and um, we do know that one of the people who also face you know serious um, uh, well abuse whether gender based violence or sexual you know gender based violence are the young girls living in the internally displaced camp remember the investigations that happened from 2016 there about to 2018 uh, by the Northeast Commission uh, on issues concerning rape in several of the camps and uh, we, in collaboration with the UNHCR uh, we see yet to get that report up to date but like I say it's a process that we're even talking about it so we will be talking to Mrs. Wanko on the show to tell us a bit about her experience with the girls and especially um, what she thinks in terms of one um, the role of empowerment in reducing abuse and sustainable development and again also to discuss what are the challenges uh, with these girls I mean it's not enough to just empower them uh, what is life after empowerment going to be like for them and what you know the decisions will be after that so we'll take a quick break we'll be right back and let's see if we can try to heal the world a bit Michael Jackson will be coming up shortly do stay with us There's a place in your heart, and I know that it is love. And this place is much brighter than tomorrow. And if you really try, you'll find there's no need to cry. In this place, you feel there's no hurt or sorrow. There are ways to get there if you care enough for the living. Make a little space, make a better place, heal the world, make it a better place for you and for me and the entire human race. Strong, it only cares for joyful giving. If we try, we shall see. In this bliss, we cannot feel. There are dreams, stop existing and start living. And it feels that always, nothing enough for us growing. Make a better world, make a better world. Make it a better place For you and for me And the entire human race Thereby, if we're dying If you care enough for living 
Thank you so much, and um, well, save the world for our children, heal the world for you and me. Um, yes, we already have Honorable uh, Miriam Onoha right here on the phone. Good afternoon, good evening, Honorable. How are you? Yeah, good evening. I am fine. You're welcome to talk to Adora, and it's a pleasure to have you today on our show. And yes, well done. Well done for the fantastic work you're doing at the House of Representatives. We know that it's not been a it's not been a rosy period for a lot of women, especially in the conversation of the fight against rape. Um, so far, so good. I know that you're following the proceedings now. First of all, I'll start by um, asking you: How do you feel? How does this feel to you to be dealing with this in this time in Nigeria's lifetime? Well, be dealing with the issue of rape. Yeah, do you mean yes, the issue of rape? Absolutely, the issue of rape, definitely. Oh, well, well uh, I, it, it, this is very embarrassing, uh, very, very painful 
uh, events, uh, it beats my imagination that at this about rape. And uh, angle it pains me the most is that it's a pain that the victims get to live with most times for the rest of their lives. So I, I, I feel the pain of every victim of rape, especially the stigma which is attached to rape. And that is the reason most victims are not able to come out to speak out about the incidents. I can tell you that there is a lot more of rape incidences that take place every day. But for the stigma, a lot of people are not able to come out to talk about it. And that's why at every slightest opportunity, I lend my voice and seek public cooperation on the need to end the rape incident. Okay. Um, just for people that are watching us live on social media, our, our guest is Honorable Miriam Onoha. She's a lawmaker who represents Isia Lamba, Nohonwimo, and Okiwe Federal Constituency of Imo State. Now, we remember that, you know, not quite long ago, I think in the week, on June 8th, to be precise, uh, thereabouts, uh, you suggested an establishment of a special court. You said a special court should be set up, in your words, to try and convict rape offenders and um, you added that rape cases should be speedily tried and convicted. Now, what was the response to that when you did that? And how is that going so far in terms of lobbying and conversation? Well, I, I think our community and society uh, is basically shaped by opinions which come from the majority, especially when it is lawful. And I... My opinion arose from the point that most perpetrators of rape hide under the very strenuous uh, and inefficiencies of law enforcement agencies to prosecute and bring rapists to book. If I throw out a question, when was the first or the last time you heard about the conclusion of any rape case you probably say none and that's why I made this suggestion that in order to use or put a stop and end to rape cases in Nigeria there should be speedy trial, speedy dispensation of justice there should be special courts dedicated to gender based violence especially rape cases that way, it will be a lot easier to entertain rape cases. It will probably protect the identity of the victims and it, it will give them the opportunity to provide the necessary information needed for a speedy trial and dispensation of justice. Yes. Okay. Now, still staying on that, um, you also talked about the link of a lot of these offenders uh, towards mental illness, mental yes. lacking mental fitness. Now, yeah. it, it is a very broad mental health in Nigeria. It's a very broad conversation. Um, it's very existent, but 
it's very brushed over. Um, there isn't a lot of attention being paid to it. However, I know that speaking to you earlier, you said there was a rising concern uh, regarding the number of mentally unfit people that we have walking around the street. Now, in terms of tying mental fitness and rape together, how are we going to find a bridge to be able to say whoever is found raping should also, you know, uh, be found mentally unfit? And again, we beyond the rapist or beyond the sexual offenders, how do we take the mental profiling into our curriculum and our system? Well, thank you very much. I, like you rightly said, I granted an interview recently on this same topic, rape, and I, I put it out that there is a very close relationship between the perpetrators of rape and mental imbalance. And I, I can assure you that studies have shown that one in every four Nigerians, whether male, whether female, young or old, appear to be mentally unstable at any po- at one point or the other. So what this goes to say is there is a huge gap in mental health care delivery for Nigerians. Enough attention has not been paid to the mental needs of majority of Nigerians who fall within this cadre. A lot of times you go on the road, even road users, uh, arm-bearing security men, sometimes they overreact to the immediate situation. All of this do not uh, account to their personal uh, characters except for the mental state they are in. And that's why I recommend that we should go back to a time when we had counselors who attended to pupils, students in in primary and secondary and higher institutions. Where children from maybe broken homes or broken relationships managed given the right counsel so that they attain the right mental status to be able to engage with the public. And now I bring it back to rape. Most studies have revealed that rape perpetrators are not normal. It's not ordinary. I don't see a reason you want to force a woman or a lady into sex when you can uh, uh, where you can freely approach a woman and have the same thing. So, 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 so that if you probe many rape perpetrators and do their mental profiling, you find out that there's a lot missing. There's a lot missing. So right now, we should pay a lot more attention in providing mental health services and remove the stigma attached to mental issues as to madness. No. There are medicines, there are therapies that could be applied to affect or to to deal with such mental uh, illness issues to bring such a person to, to to the right line. And don't forget, there is a very thin line 
between mental well-being and mental illness. At any point in time, one could fall in any of these lines. And, and, and that's why I strongly advocate the establishment of mental health centers and wellness centers across the country where Nigerians can feel without stigma and get mental treatment and be stable and, and, and be balanced. I also uh, advocate that uh, counseling and mental health should be inculcated or included in our educational curriculum so that uh, Nigerians will grow up with the knowledge that you can talk to the right people to make the best decisions and be in your best mental state and give the best to the society and the next person to you. Right. Still, still staying on, you know, punitive measures. Um, I do remember a very heart-shattering, you know, it is mind-boggling the story of uh, a baby, three-month-old baby in Nasarawa State, who was stolen from her mother's bed and raped uh, in hmm. Jaws, uh, and as well as the other one in Jaws. And um, it, it is mind-boggling because the baby was stolen, raped, and dumped in an uncompleted building. And uh, by the time she was rushed to hospital, her vitals were damaged. She had to go through corrective surgery. And mm. up till date, she's still hanging for for dear life. I mean, someone would ask what sort of mental, you know, orientation or what state of mind does a human being have to, 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 to not only rape, but to almost take life out of a three-month-old baby through that. Now, it brings me to your... Um, advocation, oh, sorry, advocacy for um, castration or death by penal, uh, penalty by death. And there's a lady here from social media, Rita Ike, she says, I support the castration bill proposed by the House of Rep. The stories about rape is heart shattering. Now, she's talking castration. You are talking death penalty. Now, looking at the story of Tremont Adogi, one would say such person should just die. You know, they don't mm. even need to, you don't even want to wish them to wake up from their sleep. But tell us a bit. Um, do you think that is raising concern? Is it extreme? Or do you think that is absolutely the way to go? Considering that what we have seen from research, not just in Nigeria alone, but places like South Africa and Ghana, when you do a background, and a lot of the male offenders have also been abused as children, but have been untreated. So do you suggest, in, in terms of like what they consider castration and amnesty or do you totally agree that they should all die you know for that offense i'll be as graphic as that okay so this is a very very sensitive area and um, for me uh, like i also said in my previous interviews the point i want to make here is not even about the severity of the punishment yet is the time you under the setting up the system in motion to even recognize that there is a culprit that there is a perpetrator anytime there is a reported of rape you don't get the system to bring out that person to to, to label him a rapist. That's, that's a very important point. That anytime there is a reported case of rape, the perpetrator always has a way of making that case go down. 
there is never really a concluded case. And then also the, the, the strenuous and line and chain of investigations to ascertain if truly a person is raped, if consent was sought, if consent was given, and all of those things add up to uh, the uh, setbacks or the roadblocks to speedy dispensation. So that, 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 that is on one side. And then on the other side, is now about the severity of the punishment. Yeah, like in law, they said uh, uh, punishment should be commensurate with the level of uh, crime. That will be left to the courts uh, to decide what uh, amount of punishment to met out to rapists. I don't think capital punishment is too much for anyone who will want to take a life because raping is like murder. It's like taking the life of, out of a person. And most, most times, in most cases like now, most of the rape victims are killed. They die. Then no life is more superior than the other. And then you also look at it, it's not just about because I'm a woman. I also speak on behalf of the uh, male victims who are being uh, abused by the female group. I've interacted with a lot of my uh, friends and colleagues who are men. And it will interest you to know that 60% of young boys were equally abused by adult ladies. Most of them were big sisters to their brothers, uh, friends of their mothers, friends of their aunties, who started fondling with their private organ as from as little as two years, four years, six years, 12 years, and, and, and all of that. And, and that is an area that has remained untalked about. So, so and, and the, the issue of incest also between siblings, between relatives, blood relations. So there's a, there's a lot of awareness that needs to be made in this area. And you know, the, the, if, the effect is that most victims of these heinous acts grow up with such negative emotions bottled up and they vent it on the society. And that's why I say there's now a need for mental therapy. It's not only... Uh, 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 working rapists. There is also marital rape. There are forced marriages. There are a lot of women who were given out in marriage even before they became of age. And they didn't give consent. And day in, day out, they are being raped. They are being taken advantage of without their consent. And because of culture and the fact that they don't want to speak out and maybe religion, wherein you are told that once you are married you can't, you're consent or not, you can't, come. if you come out then it's a sin. Okay, let me come in so here. So there's a whole lot. Uh, it's, it's, it's deep. Um, let, let me come in here. Uh, first, our callers are trying to get through. If you want to call us, you can dial the number 090 
0899 or you can call us on 8080-999-87770 and please keep your comments coming on the social media still staying with you honorable uh, Miriam now if you look at the issue of religion it's very deep and very controversial uh, you say that because you have states where the Sharia law operates and you also have um, the fact that we also have a constitution and a gender policy bill and the VAP Act now these are these are very very promising platforms for you know finding the offender guilty but whereas you have a state where you also have issues of rising cases of child bride how do you hope to do how do we hope to deal with this is there a conversation and lobbying ongoing uh, with some of the northern members to look at this as an issue or to review the law within their states or you mean the northern laws to do with the child rights act or gender based violence or child under age marriages the VAP act violence against persons act yes well I I don't think it's only uh, applicable to the northern region I think it's a it's a national issue and we've been making appeals to states to domesticate the Violence Against Persons Act, uh, the Child Rights Act, and all of those related laws. But, but my worry, my worry is not a, not just about enacting these laws. It's about about enforcing enforcing the rights. For 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 the Constitution allows that you as a person should have your freedom of, of your right to choice. Your, your right is also your right to your conscience to say this is your choice. So whether, whether it's domesticated or not, your basic and fundamental right as a citizen of Nigeria is always infringed on the moment you are raped the moment you are giving out a marriage without your consent, the moment you are underaged and you are being give, uh, given out, so to say, it means that whatever goes on there, except you get to find it pleasing, is against your consent and is rape. Okay, I, I'm asking this question because uh, when you look at the Hall of Shame map uh, by some of the very um, strong civil societies advocating for this, you will find out that the Hall of Shame contains states that have not yet passed the VAP Act. I mean, it's five years on. These states have not even adopted the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act. And I'll call the states Sokoto, Zamfara, Kebi, Kano, Kastina, Jigawa, Yobe, Bronu, Gombe, Adamawa, Taraba, Nasarawa, Kogi, Kwara. And you you find out that these are mostly northern states, especially when we also have uh, states like Ondo or Delta Emo, um, Abia is also there, Bayelsa is also there, Rivers is also there. Uh, Akwaibo, I'm just past there, is about, yes, I think yesterday or day before uh, yesterday, making it, you know, a total of 23 states that have signed the VAT Act, 13 more to go. Now, if you look at the summary of the number of states that haven't even adopted, they are mostly in the north. So the conversation hmm. now is how do we lobby? How do we 
put uh, our hands together to look at this as a primary issue, not just yeah. because the VAP Act is ensuring and insisting, but because it's against human right. Oh, oh, I get your point. I think at this point, we need to do more of advocacy, sensitization, engagement with these relevant stakeholders. Get maybe strong non non state uh, maybe strong uh, civil society coalitions, and then uh, build a network and approach this state. Most times, they, 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 I feel they might not even know the the details of these bills. So there could be a, like a stakeholders meeting or. Uh, direct engagement with such state governments, you know, and then maybe uh, naming and shaming of, of the of the those who have uh, domesticated and those who are yet to do, respectively. Uh, I think that will bring it to public light and then get the citizens in those states that have not uh, adopted this, this uh, 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 right acts to also begin to uh, to ventilate, yeah, because when you begin to scream, then your voices will be heard. If you don't scream, nobody listens to you. Because if these are instrumentalities of the law which enables your rights to be fulfilled, and as a citizen of such states, you are keeping quiet, then your rights are being impeded and you are also supporting it. There's a, there are lots of uh, channels these days where citizens can engage their governors and their legislators in the state houses of assembly to prompt the governor and, and, and the house of assembly to enact such laws. Yes, it's possible. When people come together and form a coalition and with a resolve to get something done, it will be done. All right. Now, finally... Um it's quite disheartening. I mean, when you look at some of the states that are still left in that cadre, um, I say this because uh, Ekiti State it's Governor, worrisome. very worrisome. Ekiti State Governor came out strong on the case of rape. He says, um, he says, he, he says he's going to go really tough. In fact, no person accused of rape will have prerogative of mercy at all uh, from yes. him. And they went ahead to also sign the compulsory treatment and care for child victims of sexual mm. violence bill 2020 into law at the state level. And I think one of the things he said that struck out was that he said rape often leads to untimely deaths and emotional trauma way beyond what the government of a particular state uh, can mm. conquer alone. And so he's calling out to representatives at the National Assembly to look into the state, uh, harmonize their efforts with the state assembly so as to mm. part this um, past the VAP Act if they haven't. Now I'm saying this because you're from Imo State and the VAP Act in Imo State is just about passing second reading. I know that they're on a break right now for two mm. weeks. What are the measures to you know, look into that and collaborate with members, perhaps your uh, representative at the state level to ensure that a, a movement, because like you said, it takes citizen participation and public appeal mm. for some of mm. these issues to be brought to bear. How is that going to be possible, considering the fact that Imo, where you come from, are still yet to pass the VAB Act? Well, I remember that um, it's still stakeholder engagement, like you said. Um, 
the I, as a member of Women in Parliament, uh, we had a retreat early this year before the Corona. Uh, I think last late last year. Uh, uh, no, sometime in fe- February, when uh, we had uh, interactions with our colleagues from the state houses of assembly, and this was one of the front burners being discussed. There was still engagements, engaging stakeholders at different levels. You know, and uh, what I would do probably would be to uh, talk with uh, my colleagues in in Imo and and see if they are, if they have problems, if they have uh, if there are issues with uh, resolving this this uh, uh, problems with this bill, because I know that the governor of Imo State, uh, Governor Hope Uzodema, is a very proactive person. And uh, an action person. So if this comes to him, getting the governor's assent will not be a problem. So it will just be to hold on. Uh, once the two weeks uh, recess is off, I would uh, talk with the colleagues there okay. and ensure that um, uh, Imo is one of the few states you will see in the shortest possible time. Yes, uh, I would personally take this as a as a personal project and follow so it through with the, from the house and through to the governor. Yes, so and I'm sure that we would have Imo and a few other states. I will talk with my colleagues also in the House of Reps and the Committee of Women in Politics and uh, Women in Parliament and other gender-based uh, committees in the House. I'll put the, this before them and uh, we'll see how we can seek greater uh, cooperation amongst us for a better effectiveness uh, for, of these uh, uh, VAP acts and and all of that domestication in all the other states Thank you, that are yet to do so. Thank you. So, and take them off the hall of shame. It's really terrible. <laughs> yes, necessary. <laughs> Thank you so much, Honorable. It's been a Thank pleasure. So I mean, all the Imo citizens are saying, we love you, Princess Mariam. We love you. Thank you so much for being on <laughs> the show. Thank you so much. Love you, Adas. Thank uh, you, Nigeria. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Stay safe. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. Yeah. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, so yes, that was Honorable Miriam Onoha talking about issues concerning one, the emergency in the state of rape and also the VAP Act. She suggested uh, a special court to um, advance and try and convict rape offenders and also says that they should also do a speedy trial so that they can be convicted. Please remember uh, 09030000. That's 09030000. Eight nine nine or zero eight zero nine 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 eight seven 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 zero, and um, you know I was going to finally end my conversation with to castrate or to die, but she answered me earlier and said, "Well, there is no punishment that is too deep or too uh, intense for someone who decides to take another person's life." So now. I do think we'll take a quick break, just a very quick break. And when we come back, we'll be speaking to uh, Chisom, who is uh, also involved with the lives of internally displaced persons as a volunteer for skilled women. And um, you do know that also abusers do go on in the camp. But here we are asking the question, what role does empowerment do? What does it play in ensuring that less women are abused and what's life after the empowerment program to stay with us. 
And if you don't feel okay, we did isolation. Staying indoors without going anywhere is like hell for me. After this two weeks now, what the next step to take? What the way forward? I can tell you that in my constituency, I'm yet to hear somebody telling me that he has benefited from the conditional cash transfer and other programs like that. It's worrisome that this is happening. How has this been for you? First as a lawmaker and second as a Nigerian. Talk to Adara. A talk show like never before. Delving deep into the hearts of social issues. Unapologetic. Engaging. Thought-provoking. A show that bridges the gap between the people and policymakers. Bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora Unifer. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat. All right, thank you so much for staying with us. And yes, remember, this is Talk to Adara. We're still live on the show. It's good to be here with you uh, today. Now, uh, we talked about the VAP Act and also dealing with the state of emergency of rape with Honorable Miriam Onoha earlier on in the show. She is the House of Rep member representing Okigwe Isialambano Onwimo Federal Constituency. Um, for some people who are wondering, like, you know, someone was asking me backstage or saying, what really is the full meaning of the VAP Act? The VAP Act simply means uh, the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act. And um, it was passed into law on May 15th. Uh, the act was as a result of agitations uh, for protection of persons against different forms of violence. Violence both at home and both at the larger society. So, uh, and it's fast becoming a trend in the recent day in Nigeria, considering what we're seeing happening in the biggest space. And when we're talking about larger society, that includes internally displaced persons camp as well. So going over to that conversation, Chisom Wanko, good afternoon. It's good to have you on the show. Oh, thank you, Adora. It's great to be here with you. Thank you so much. Now, I, I know you heard Princess Miriam on the show, you know, and she was very frustrated. You could actually feel the vent and the anger. But you also have been in the middle of the lives of the IDPs. And before we get to that, how do you feel about the rising incident cases of rape in Nigeria at the moment? It's scary, really, because um, you, it could happen to anyone regardless of where you are and um, where you're from it, you just talked about the baby that was sleeping beside her mother and she was doing so that is scary so when I think about it I'm like what What do we how can we really make this stop so that's the scary part we really don't even know how to make it stop we don't even know who, it's not written on anyone's face so it's that's the scary part so it really scares me that um, it's so much, it's so much more than we know because a lot of people do not come out to actually even talk about it. Now, talking about those who don't come out to talk about it, the voices that are spoken for most of the times are people who are underrepresented or do not have the voice platform, such as the IDPs. You have been actively involved uh in the role play towards mentoring and engaging the youngers at the IDP camp, uh, especially in the area of empowerment. How has that been, considering the fact that these girls are very vulnerable? How do they keep up with your intervention? Okay, so like I always say, um, maybe I need to clarify a bit. Sometimes internal displacement 
when internal displacement started, we just started hearing about it because of the insurgency and all of that. But I'd like to clarify the fact about internal displacement. So internal displacement can happen to a woman who has been thrown out of her husband's house. She's, okay. of course, internally displaced. But maybe for this issue, okay. we're going to be focusing on the people living in the camps. Absolutely, yeah. the IDP. Yes, so yeah. internal displacement is a broader, is a much more bigger issue than, you know, living um, in the camps. It, it could go way beyond that. But for the women that we have been working with for the past three years, what we do is, we first of all start with the mindset. Okay. Because you need to change that first. You need to actually speak okay. to them and say... Uh, all right, just hold on. Okay. We have a caller. Hello, good evening. Yeah, hello, good evening, Mr. Obina on the line. Uh okay. to be on the show, talk to Adora. All right. I don't know if you've been following us. We've been talking about the incident rise of rape. And uh, I put out a question. Uh, in your own words, what would you write a castration or death penalty for the offender? Okay. Um, looking at that as a punishment, uh, I, I don't really know what to put that into context because, you know, we all know that rape is something that is, you know, monstrous and is a very illicit thing in the society. Okay, so now, um, for these people that have gone through this experience of rape, it's very difficult, you know, for them. There's no punishment, actually, that will be enough to quantify what they've gone through. Do you understand? So, it has to come to a point where we as a society, you know, um, in Nigeria, not just the judiciary, not just the legislative, even the common man, you know, comes together to know that we have to put in a punishment that will represent the um, level of, um, you know, hurt, the level of harm that, you know, such people go through. So that's my, that's my stance on that, on that aspect. You were saying that penalty. Um, looking at death penalty as an option, it's 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 almost like it's quantifiable because yes. if you look at what you go to, you know, as a rape victim, it's almost like your life has been destroyed. Okay? okay, you don't you don't have the level of personal confidence. You don't you're not emotionally stable. You know, you're trying to balance your social your other aspects of your life. So okay, so so mildly put, because I think you're still bitten about the bush. Mildly put, if someone should rape someone you know let's say someone close a sister a daughter or something what would be your reaction what what would you rather recommend would you rather if if the law gave you an option for castration or death penalty because what we're trying to do is also raise data data okay. on the mindset of people and how they see yeah. the offender's behavior would you rather death okay. penalty or castration i'll go for castration thank you I'll go for All right, thank you for joining us on the show. It's good to Bye. talk thank to you. you very much. Bye. So, yes. so going back to you, Chisoma, it's not a funny matter. I, I, I wish we had a lot more time to, to deal with this, but honestly, uh, honestly, I I will come back to you because we're running out of time. Quickly, tell us, skilled women, the internally displaced children from conflict and insurgency. What is the role of empowerment in curbing violence, and what's life after empowerment? Okay, basically, um, empowerment. Hello, good afternoon. Hello, good afternoon. What's your name, and where are you calling from? My name is Grace. I'm calling from Papi. Okay, Grace. Quickly tell us your comments or your question. All right. Personally, I I would prefer if 
The punishment for rape is castration. So it is serve as a way of, you know, when, when you castrate these people, it will make other persons not to do that because the rate to which rape cases are lately is becoming really, really high mm. and it's not something that is really good. All so right. if anyone is found guilty at first, they should castrate the person and that's all. All right, thank you very much. Okay, so you you can hear people saying castration, castration. Uh, but well, I'm sure Honorable Miriam is listening and you know thinking maybe we we men look at these two laws and figure out which one is more uh, painful for the offender. But quickly, okay. So basically, um, when you empower women, you empower the family. Basically, so for us, we have decided that it's not about just training the women basic skills. It's about going the whole um, nine yards. Yeah. Whole nine yards. So what we do is we train them in their required in the skills that they want to learn. So we have a, an area of skills that they choose from, and we train them over a period of time, which is an eighteen month period. At the end of which, you are expected to leave the camp. Okay. So through that period, you learn. We talk to you about what you want to do. The IDB counts are not supposed to be there forever. They're just for a stipulated time. And that is what we try to tell the women. We can't forcefully take them out. But we take them through that process. We talk to them and say, this place isn't good for you. It's not good for your children. And the thing about empowerment is that the women are able to make money. They have skills. They actually had skills before they came to the camp. So we try to enhance that. We try to upgrade that. And what we do is... Take the products that they have made and help them, you know, make some money from it. So within a period of 18 months, we're trying to take out as many women and young girls from the camp. So when a woman is empowered, she has the right to actually get some things for herself, especially within that space of the IDP camp. Yeah. All right. Now, how many girls so far? I mean, are you have you had on your training? I mean, in terms of numbers or in terms of the feel, how would you rate your intervention? Okay, so because our, our program isn't a one-off, it's a process. Because it has to be a process for the women to understand. You have to gain their trust. So for us, we have done 100 women. We have an in-camp training skill center in the IDP camp. So we go there like every day. The women have their machines. They have all of that there. And they learn different skills. We have a product line that we have developed for them. And so people can actually say, oh, they say, oh, I made soap. And this is my soap. It's well packaged. And so all what's of that. the support system so far? What is the partnership? Quickly. Okay, so yes, we have government backing. We've um, partnered with the National Commission for Refugees. They're actually coming in to do a lot because the truth is, government cannot work alone. They need Absolutely. the private sector people to help them pull off, you know, whatever it is. So we have support of government, and then we we just recently started getting some international support from um, NGOs, which we're trying to work on. But what we try to create is create an evidence, a prototype that you can take from here and put in any IDP camp. So we have an 18-month timeline. I know that if every woman signs up to our timeline, you have to leave in 18 months. All right, yeah, hello. Hello, good evening. And please, who am I talking to quickly? Okay, my name is Grace. I've been following your conversation. I feel the sex offenders should be name and shame, like the way the government has been. I like the fact that they name and shame them. Uh, with that, I think... Uh, the punishment would I don't know maybe that would be defeating punishment for now and then the life imprisonment punishment is okay so um, Ms. Ch- uh, Mrs. Chisholm just before we go 
in terms of empowerment and reduction of gender-based violence, where is the thing that you're doing that? That is in, whether it's in the camp, whether it's outside of the camp, when a woman has financial capability, she can actually start up for herself. And the, but within the space of the IDP camp, if a woman can actually buy food with the little money that she has, she has the ability. Oh. Okay. All right. Uh, please, what's your name quickly? Oh yeah, my name is Um Henry. Okay. I'm from um, Apo, Abuja. Okay. So, hello. Hey you. We can hear you. That's our last call for today because we're definitely running out of time. But uh, yes, quickly round up. Okay, so basically, for every woman in the camp, she has to know that she has to leave, and to leave, she has to have some sort of support, empowerment, skills, way to make money, get unemployment, and that's it. If she has that kind of confidence, she's able to say, I'm not staying here. She's able to convince her husband. What we have seen over time is that when they actually start learning and start making money, you find their husbands calling them, oh, she's in camp, they're in camp, go and learn, go and make some money because every time they're there, they earn some money. So they gain their husband's kind of respect and support. So it's a big way for us to, you know, reduce the number of internally displaced women. So if people women. wanted to reach you to follow through works, do you have a handle that they can... They okay, can yeah, so on Instagram we're at The Skilled Women. You can get us on Skilled Women on our website, www.theskilledwomen.org and yes, you'll find us there. Alright, thank you so much Ms. Swankwa. It's a pleasure having you on the show. Yeah. Keep up the good work. Thank We've you. been following you. We have been following you. Yeah. And um, we thank say so we are proud and Nigerians will continue to wish you all the best in your future endeavors. Uh, for me right here on the show I want to say one thing for sure. Um, there is no sleeping. Um, there is no resting on the oar to fight the scourge of rape. It is a state of emergency and we are going to come on it as hard as we can. And so we plead with the House of Representative members. We plead with the Senate. Please do not rest on your oars. We see the interventions happening and we plead with you to talk to your state counterparts to please pass the VAB Act. And that is where all of these measures start to make sense. Uh, thank you, Princess Miriam Onoha, for joining us on the show and our social media followers on Facebook. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure doing this with you as always. My name is Adora Oyenchere. Let's kick rape out of Nigeria. It must stop. Enough is enough. Goodbye for now. Honestly, I don't feel okay with this isolation. Being indoors without going anywhere is like hell for me. After these two weeks now, what the next step to take? What do we forward? I can tell you that in my constituency, I'm yet to hear somebody telling me that he has benefited from the conditional cash transfer and other programs like that. It's worrisome that this is happening. How has this been for you? First as a lawmaker and second as a Nigerian. Talk to Adara, a talk show like never before, delving deep into the hearts of social issues, unapologetic, engaging, thought-provoking, a show that bridges the gap between the people and policymakers, bringing solutions and giving a voice to these issues. Talk to Adara. My name is Adora Ingeter. It is a privilege always to have you here. Every Tuesday at 4 p.m. on 99.9 Kiss FM Abuja. Talk to Adara. It will leave you at the edge of your seat.